This is a whisper episode. Uh-huh. This is the ASMR episode. Yeah. <laughs> church talk. Here to calm you down. Yeah. And we're reporting in from church talk. And today I'm going to be doing your eyebrows. Shaping your eyebrows. Giving you a oh makeover. God. These videos are so addicting. I love them. <laughs> Welcome to Church Talk. I'm your host, Amanda Hall, here with Reverend Laurel Gray. This is the monthly episode of this podcast, where we talk about the month's sermons, world events, and how we make sense of the complexities of life. If you'd like to submit a question or a discussion topic, please email it to podcasts at uucsw.org. We'll keep you anonymous unless you say we can include your name. In this episode, we'll be discussing the sermons All Souls and Blue Holidays. If you want to hear those sermons in their entirety, you can find them in the same podcast feed where you found this episode, but we'll also recap them here before we discuss them. Hi, Laurel. Hello. Do you like our new intro? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Isn't this fun? Church talk with two U's. Uh-huh. Because we're kind of like car talk. No, uh, so maybe. fun fact is that I've never listened to car talk. I also, fun fact, hated car talk. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'd, I'd like to state for the record that actually this isn't based on car talk. No. If anyone from like NPR litigious. Yeah. This. Yeah. No. No, just, you know, our uh, fun vibes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. You're not allowed to say you have fun vibes. <laughs> We've already gone off the rails. Other We're people. also, in case this sounds slightly different to everyone, this is the first time we've podcasted in person together mm-hmm. in three years. Mm-hmm. So it's we're going to try and, you know, rate it. Rate it. <laughs> the giggling. Um, also, we're on one track. So if someone sneezes, you're going to hear it. Sorry. Yep. That's okay. Um, <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, we're recording this a little bit earlier in the month than usual. And we just had our Thanksgiving service. Yeah. Yesterday. The Westboro Interfaith Thanksgiving service. I don't know how many years it's been happening. Like, I don't know when it started. Um, but it, we hadn't had it in person since 2019. Um, and this was the year that was sort of our turn to host it because it rotates between the houses of faith. So we did that last night. And it was, it was magical and lovely. I'm and then I got home yeah. and I couldn't fall asleep. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I was like physically in the church for a service. Yeah. yeah I think that was the first time. I know. I was like very delighted when I saw you. It was fun. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to sit in my pew. Yeah. <laughs> when I started growing up when I was a kid. Amazing. I didn't, I didn't have on my Winnie the Pooh pajama pants this time. I should you know, have done that to commemorate the occasion. <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> it's all good. There's always Christmas Eve. Yes. Um, so the month theme is change. Mm-hmm. And we have some of the like services go lots of different places around yes. the theme. Yes. Because so- this month is also... Is the the theme of the month has changed, but then also there are holidays. Yeah. So then you see if you can find an overlap in the Venn di- diagram of the theme and the holiday. Yeah. Sometimes it works and sometimes it works less. Yeah. Um, let's talk about All Souls first. Yeah. Um, so we've decided we're going to start doing these recaps in these episodes. So <laughs> Pop quiz. Do we know what the sermon was just, about? <laughs> just in case you didn't get a chance to listen to the whole sermon, you'll know what we're talking about. 
Um, and all souls, we talked, or I should say you preached <laughs> about like heaven. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we have this ritual that has been going on for many years where on all souls Sunday, which we do the first Sunday in November, um, we hand out paper leaves and then people write down the names of loved ones who've died. And then everyone comes up and hangs the leaves on these sort of branches that we put up at the front of the sanctuary. Um, and so I was, I was thinking about that and, and how to make it a little bit more, I don't know, dynamic and, and, um, yeah. So I started talking about heaven, which somehow. is, I mean, it's an interesting topic for you use because we don't really talk about it, but also yeah. people want to talk about it. Right. Yeah. It's like one of the things that makes people want to go to church is when somebody dies and then. How do you make sense of it? Yeah. So we sort of had that conversation. Yeah. Um, and then did this kind of like thought experiment about like, if you were to imagine for this beloved person, what heaven would be like for them in like an experiential sense, not in like a, you know, what does it mean existentially? But like, what is a perfect moment for that person? Um so, and then we had, I had everybody sort of write down their name and then on the back of the leaf, write down like the sort of heavenly experience that you wished for them, sort of blessing to send out to them. Yeah. Um, which was a really, like, I didn't really know how that would land. And it was, the whole thing was very, very sweet and felt very tender, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a good partner to the, like, it's hard to remember people, right? There's a lot mm-hmm. of grief can be very... Um, consuming and pointed so to have a little bit of sweetness I think was important yeah I mean also you like made a note that you weren't going to talk about it in a way that is too like graphic for children yeah so also having it be something that's like really accessible right all ages and stuff right right because like kids need to be able to talk about death Mm -hmm. too right yeah yeah and I try to be clear whenever we're doing a service that's like about something that could make people feel a little wary. Mm-hmm. When we send out the announcement, I try to be, and when I start the sermon, I try to be really clear about like where we are and are not going. Yeah. So people aren't on edge, um, like wondering how much I'm going to say, especially when we're talking about things like violence and death. Yeah. Um, so. You alluded to this just now too, and you said it in the sermon that like, part of what makes EUism really different from a lot of other religions mm-hmm. is like, we don't tell you yeah. any answers. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, like the whole point of EUism is in a way there's like, it's a very interesting marriage between an individualistic and collective, right. Like kind of way of approaching these questions Yeah. because it's like supporting individual search for truth and meaning. Right. But in the context of community. Yes. So like what, what makes a church is covenant agreement of how we're going to treat each other. Right. And like. Right. And the sort of, of collectiveness of being on the yeah. journey together. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like. Which is really hard though, right? Because mm-hmm. especially when you get to the point of like, you know, what happened to grandma, right? Especially when you're a kid, mm-hmm. that's like, like I remember being sort of envious of friends who were like. Mm-hmm more more certain creedally religious yeah um 
where there was like a really clear narrative. And I remember being like six and asking my dad where the sky ended. And he was like, it doesn't. And I was like, uh, that's not an answer. Wrong answer. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, well, I think it would be a very good choice if I decided to believe in God, which really sort of actually meant like, like clearly I was reading like Greek mythology or something at school because it was like, six. it was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe I was eight. I don't know. I was also me. Yeah. You went to right. elementary school at Harvard. <laughs> Obviously. Uh-huh. But I remember being like, okay, I decide that believing in God God is a good idea so that, like, it holds the sky in, Mm -hmm. right? Because, like, sometimes life is scary Mm -hmm. and world, like, we need sort of stories and theologies to help us navigate it. And I think it doesn't, like, even now, I'm sort of not concerned about if it's like true, quote unquote, in Mm -hmm. like a factual sense. Yeah. Because I think that kind of misses the point right like poetry is true but not factual Mm -hmm. and helps so like yeah i'm going on a no tangent but it's like really central to like a lot of what comes up when we disagree in uism yeah because like a lot of times like something that can cause a lot of conflict and so you know disagreement and conflict and violence are not all the same thing right um so but things that can cause like disagreement that turns kind of bitter yeah um is like science is one of the roots of wisdom like one of the six sources is like scientific exploration and so like when people find that personally believe that to be in contradiction with like other sources of wisdom it's like talking about what's true right quote unquote true right and part of what we like being immersed in white supremacist culture is outsourcing like who is allowed to manufacture truth right to predominantly white institutions right like and reason and the idea that yeah. reason is sort of supreme to everything else right and that's specifically yeah, yeah. like a very specific it's a point of view it's yeah. not objective well it's and even like science is not a thing that exists Science is not not like naturally occurring, right? Mm-hmm. Science is the study of the natural world. Mm-hmm. And like, so is religion in a way, mm-hmm. right? There's sort of ways of trying to make sense of something through different mediums, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe one is more storytelling and one is data collection, right? But those things st- still tell stories. Yeah. And they're still mediated by humans. Um, and it's also possible for multiple things to be true at once. Like contradiction yeah. is not, there's all kinds of contradiction contradiction in the world. Yeah. Um, so I think it's we like, can handle that. Right. Like yeah. our worldviews are not rigid. We many, hope many of us can handle it. We try. <laughs> I'll say we aspire to handle it together. <laughs> like <laughs> the and contradictions and the complexity and yeah. the the not knowing. I know yeah. it's hard. It's, Being a U is not easy. Well, it's also hard because the only like I was raised in the society that told me that truth belongs to science. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and then I did some science. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and at least so. 
truth doesn't belong to science. No. Science yeah. isn't isn't as good as you it's think it is. Infallible. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, like science is great, right? It's a way of us yeah. trying to make sense of the world. That is a good and noble thing. And and I think it's dangerous whenever mm-hmm. we give that supremacy over right. anything else. Right. Yeah. Especially like regardless of the cost. Mm-hmm. Um and yes, sim- like I grew up in a UU congregation that was in Rhode Island and it was like almost all former Catholics and university professors in the science department. Mm. So there was like a mm. lot of mm. anti-religious sentiment, mm-hmm. which was hilarious because we were all at church together. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah, it's that, but I mean, in society at large, religion and science like culturally are pitted against each other. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then because we as a religion are in favor of science, it sort of makes it seem like what are, you know, how are we making sense of the religion part? Yeah. Many ways, guys. I hate this discussion. I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it falls into these like really annoying rhetorical traps. I know. That don't get us like to anything new or interesting. Yeah. And so I'm going to, shift the way we talk about it yeah to talk about the change we choose like yeah. service which yeah, is yeah. the one that the reproductive justice team led yeah um and i'll recap this one yes if you want yeah because um, you were our shining star i was indeed. of math and data they put a big shining star around my zoom window <laughs> and projected you on the church wall at, at my personal demand <laughs> um <laughs> yeah <laughs> So basically, uh, people who have been listening to this, like yeah, we talked about this last, last month, month, we talked about some results of a survey that we sent around, which was trying to assess um, kind of our summed, the sum of our individual like risk tolerance. Yeah. So I don't know if I want to say necessarily it's like our collective risk tolerance yeah. because that survey was an aggregation of individuals. Right. But we were asking them to, th- to apply. think about the congregation. Right. Right. Yes. Right. So it wasn't like, what do what you are personally you per- think? Right. Exactly. So we were like, we were aiming there. Yeah. It was an aggregation of attitudes about what the congregation should do. Yes. That was not like, we didn't arrive to those conclusions that risk tolerance in conversation with each other. Yeah. Like it was an individual survey. Yeah. Um, and so like, I, love data stuff I think it's so cool I think it's so interesting like looking at all this was completely fascinating um but I was also really reluctant to like I found myself wanting to put more and more caveats around it because of the supremacy of data right like you put a chart in front of someone and they're like this is the only everything yes everything in their experience has primed them to believe that this is true yeah and more important than the conversations that we're going to have about it or anything else like yep so I I did have that reluctance and so I tried to put some caveats around it um, but it doesn't matter is the thing. You can put as many caveats as you want. You're not going to undo a lifetime of conditioning. Right. So. Well, you can sort of, you can throw some questions into the. You can, but I, I know one thing that we have to be really conscious about is like having this information, the results of the survey as one tool in a tool belt mm-hmm. and keeping in mind that like 
that was an aggregation of individual yeah. assessments. And yeah. that is fundamentally different than right. what we collectively decide when we talk to each other. Right, right. So, um, yeah, that's actually like <laughs> mild diversion. <laughs> that's like a fundamental like part of like defining democracy is Ooh. like there's the contrasting views of democracy that is like an aggregation of individual preferences and majority huh. rules yeah. versus like we debate in a public square and we decide what we think. Um, like interesting. Yeah. There's very different, like those are, cause those can both look like democracy. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. But, and both can look not like democracy. Yes, right? absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so that like aggregation of individual preferences has been yeah. like, Framed as not the best way to do democracy. Interesting, <laughs> um, but it's well, and I think, think that's it. where it's smart. Like, we didn't do this data and then send it back out and just say these are the facts. These like of choices, course. right? And so I think it was it was funny in the service because it was sort of hard to tell. It's you asked me after the service how yeah. it landed in the room, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> welcome to the mysteries of worship planning." People look at you like they're dead, and then afterwards they tell you that it was the most meaningful thing they've ever heard. <laughs> this is like a hilariously you you maybe other traditions thing, um, but apparently I was talking to Meredith after the service, and she said that she could hear people ooing and awing. <gasps> Which really? I was like, oh, okay. Fascinating. Yeah. So like people were clearly engaged. And afterwards, there was a lot of this sense of like almost comfort. Like people sort of, and what one person said when we passed the mic um, was that she kind of like intuited this from having been in the congregation mm -hmm. for years. But then to have us all have like sort of staked a claim together. Yeah. yeah. Right. Gave people permission to own that sense mm -hmm. of the congregation. Um and for me too, because because previously there was sort of this like, I think people want me to make a public statement about this, but like we've never talked about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really sure. Um, so I do think that this was good at sort of cutting through the like over politeness. Yeah. Right. Where we can like, now we can talk frankly mm -hmm. and then figure out what it means because we didn't take the data and say like, okay, now we're going to go do X. Right. This was like, we're this in this temperature process. Taking. Right. Right. And right we're now. having, and we're practicing having this conversation together and thinking about these things. Um, and that seemed to go over really well. Yeah. Um, and really get people thinking about like, how do we want to be as a congregation? Mm -hmm. So I yeah. think it, was, it was good. It was helpful. Yes. That was what we tool. heard a lot. Like, yeah, people said, like, I'm glad we did this and this is really helpful. Yes. Like, right. Um, right. It moves us forward. Right. Um, so, yeah, basically what we did is we just presented, I presented the results and we asked people what they thought. Mm -hmm. um, and the biggest question I got afterwards um, is, so what are your next steps? <laughs> and I said, my next steps. Yeah. <laughs> You're in charge now. You can project it on the church wall. <laughs> well, I get that question from, I mean. Really? That came with it. That came, yeah, multiple people are like, oh, what are we, what is, what's the next step for this? What are, what's yeah, your next like, step? Yeah, like now you're clearly, you're in charge because you like, have the data. And someone said like, thanks so much for doing this for like, for the church. And I was like, well, you're going to do the rest of it. Right, right. <laughs> like team effort. I didn't do this. Like, I, I understand what they mean. Right. And I, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. glad to be appreciated. <laughs> but um, I was like, I mean, I didn't, 
I didn't do it. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. You didn't do it to us. No. Right. This was like Um, a collective team engagement process. Um, And so like, that's the question, an outstanding question that I thought we might like, yeah, just bounce around a little bit here. Like, yeah. What a next step. Oh, uh, another thing I want to talk about too. So I want to talk about what next steps might look like, but I really want to talk about the, like, we don't support political parties thing came up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause that is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's also really messy. Okay. I'm going to talk about that first. Okay, great. (laughs) Cause it came up. Go for it. Um, so one thing that came up during the passing around of the mic was, um, the fact that we have already had to navigate yeah. like these questions about right. how we operate in justice work. So right. while doing you, the vote, um, you know, we can send out encouragements for people to vote in general, mm-hmm. but we can't send them only to democratic right. voters and stuff right. like that. And that comes into, um, separation of church and state, right. which says like churches are, not allowed to endorse political parties or Mm -hmm. candidates. Correct. We can speak about political issues. We can talk about bills. We can talk about policy. Right. Anything else goes. But not political candidates and parties. Right. Um, And you brought up a really interesting sort of history. Yeah. So that, I mean, that is the reason that we can't is partly, you know, is that in line with our belief system? Probably it is. Yeah. Um, but we take it as a grant as granted that like, Oh, that's a line we don't even think about crossing. Right. Whereas like, we're talking about breaking a bunch of other laws. Right. Right. Because, (laughs) because the reason not to cross it is because it's a legal barrier that then puts your like nonprofit status at risk. Supposedly, And as we've seen, I mean, what I brought up was like, Mm -hmm. there are a whole bunch of conservative ministers who are openly endorsing Republican candidates and the IRS is doing nothing about it. Right. So then there's sort of this like, what does the law really mean? And who really feels like they can take the liberty of pushing against it? Right. There's all of that. So, and then, yeah. So in addition to like external, like, you know, if we were to cross that boundary, yeah, like the risk is the external risk is we lose our nonprofit status, mm-hmm. um, and potentially a lot of other like reputational things. Yeah, right. Um, so there's a lot of like reasons other than our nonprofit status that yeah. we wouldn't want to. Yeah, totally. Um, but like the one that you point to first is not like we don't believe it's right or. Yeah reputationally we don't think yeah. that's the right thing to do right we point to the money thing we lose yeah. our nonprofit status yeah people who donate to us could no longer write off those donations right. on their taxes right. we might lose our donations right so it comes back to the well, money I think that's a good question too because like I think when I think about that I I don't know what all the details are but I think part of it is like you would then also be taxed differently, right? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So that that does all sort of come down to like money, financial functioning. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, I think it's not surprising to me, yeah, that that triggers such a oh, that's a, that's like right. We don't even think about crossing that line, right? Um, because you know finances was our most conservative collective right view, right? Um. And I think it's also like, well, that's just what we do. That's what you're supposed to do. That's yeah. what the rules are. Right, right, right. Um, and I mean, in context, like 
what you said too, like another thing was that would be an existential threat to us. Yeah. Right. Like we wouldn't be able to keep functioning as a church. Right. Right. And so like the assumed line in the sand is we would never under any circumstances take like risk the existence, the ongoing existence of our church. Right. Right. Like that is the boundary is existential threats continuing to operate. Yeah. But then there's a flip side to that. But the reason that, you know, if you think about a different political time, a different context, having racially integrated services was an existential threat to UU churches in the South. Right. In the most, like within the last hundred years, right? Like that was an existential threat. Right. People like they lost their buildings. They had to disband. Some people came to personal physical harm up to and including murder. Yeah. Right. And they still made that choice. Right. So the reason that we have the privilege to operate in the political context we're in now is because other congregations decided they were willing to risk existential threats to their groups because not to do so was also an existential threat. Yes, right. Because yeah. if you yeah. if you continued to hold segregated services, like that's a pretty major existential threat yeah. to your UU ideals. Right. Like right. you know, the risk of inaction you have to factor in. Right. And so like there could conceivably be, like, I don't think this will happen necessarily, but Yeah, we hope not gonna <laughs> But if it came down to it, like we could make the decision right. that not endorsing a particular party or candidate is so, is in such violation of our values right. that we have to do it. Right. Even if it risks. And like, right. I don't, I don't see that personally happening, but like, yeah. that could be another risk scale. It's yeah. like, how willing are we to risk specifically our nonprofit designation by the IRS? Right. Right. right? Like, that's a specific thing that we could put as another yeah. kind of risk. Right. Um, right. And so, then what does that mean? And like, how yeah. do we navigate how, like right. all of the specifics of the fallout of that? Right. So um, I just think it's a good yeah. question because it is the, like the presumed line. Mm-hmm. Right. But then we ask people if they're willing to break laws. Right. I mean, the law, the line yeah. isn't, you know, the law necessarily because a right. lot of people put eights about breaking laws for medical needs. Right. Like, right. We don't presume the law to be, it's like science. (laughs) It's not the, the ultimate, right? Right. And it's, it still comes from humans and there's all kinds of mess involved in it. And also violating it contains a very specific kind of risk. And so that's what we're talking about. Like, right. How do we balance that risk against the need to live our values out? Right. And when those come in conflict, how do we weigh those different risks? Yeah. Um, so anyway, that like <laughs> super fun and really easy to solve. Oh, totally. Of course. <laughs> but um, I do think it's interesting, like which laws we don't. Yeah. Think about like we think of like unthinkable. Which right. ones are like it's unspeakable to right. consider crossing that line. Right. And that's our nonprofit status. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. not like, you know our individual members getting arrested at protests or any right. of that. It's like, right. no, it's our nonprofit status. Yeah. Um, Which I feel like, like even I hadn't like fully thought that through entirely because even like, yeah. because also before doing this, we did not have the data on like, oh no, people are willing to 
some break people, laws. Some, some peop- people are. Some people are willing to collectively break laws. Yeah. And this was particularly like in the sort of arena of reproductive rights. Yeah. But it does now pre- present this question, right? Because before we were all sort of staying so far back. Yeah. From not wanting to get into like muddy water. Yeah. Um, whereas now, because we have this data, we can sort of openly have a conversation about what assumptions are we making and what do they mean and yeah. are we okay with them? Yeah. So. And I definitely, stuff. yeah. Um, and like infinitely complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ov- yeah, overall the averages. So like the average answer scale of one to 10, how much yeah. of this kind of risk do you think we should take as a congregation? The average is like six or something, six or seven. Most of them were in the sixes. Yeah. Um, the public stand was the like highest average. It was mm-hmm. like almost eight. Yeah. Um, the finances was the lowest. It was like a 4.4 or something. And then um, also consensus versus urgency was right. very low. And we went right. in more detail about these results on the last Q&A podcast, right. the October Q&A podcast. Yeah. And I'm also going to go through them on Zoom on Wednesday, November 30th. Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, Wednesday, November 30th at 7 p.m. on Zoom. Yep. Um, so that people can, like, comb through the data themselves yeah. if they want and get, yeah, yeah. get more information on that. Um, but so, like, now we can talk about next steps. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Because we've done some groundwork yeah. to have a sense of where we're all at together. Yeah. So, So now we can start to think about... What do we want to do and what comes next? Yeah. And and I mean, part of it too is like when we were planning the service, like we're kind of waiting to see what happened with the election and like mm-hmm. how how extreme or less extreme, hopefully, are things going to land based on, you know, political candidates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so onwards. Yeah. I mean, I think definitely a next step has to do with like continuing to talk yeah <laughs> to each right, other right um i think people want to know like concretely like ooh in our in our process like what are we doing next right and like we haven't answered that we yet, we shall continue girl. to we've talked about figure things out we've talked about exploring like how people would rate individual activities yeah how risky yeah. someone would think a certain kind of activity is. Right. We've talked about doing a little more exploration around that. Like right. what reproductive rights, like public statement action, would you consider to be a right. seven out of 10? Right. Or like a four out of 10. Right. Um, so that might be an activity we do at some point. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of where the rubber is going to hit the road is when we have something specific that we want to do. Right. Exactly. Um, or something that like we get put into conflict, something yes, comes up where we need to make up. a choice about it. And I think, yeah, there's a lot of it coming to the, you know, consensus versus urgency. Like yeah. we always want to know ahead of time so that we can talk about everything ahead of time. Yeah. And we can talk about a lot of stuff ahead of time. Right. But, but not everything. Yeah. Um, and I think like the next step for justice work is to like, look at our partnerships and build out yeah, our partnerships. That was one of the things that there were sort of several layers that they went through in this workshop we did this mm-hmm. summer. And one of them was this risk assessment. One of them was also, um, I'm forgetting the technical term for resource mapping, resource, resource mapping. mapping. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was sort of like, who are the people that you know, who are the partnerships that you have? Um, 
who is working against you, right? Mm-hmm. And like how powerful are people? So this sense of like, so far we've done this like personal risk tolerance, but mm-hmm. then there's this, this sort of next step is like, who are the players and who has power? Yeah. And who are you collaborating with? Um, and we had, we started that in when we met a couple months ago as a group. Um, and so I think that's like, we're going to keep chugging. Yeah. Um, and there's not like a perfect roadmap. This right. is, and, and they're also, it's not like Amanda's driving. It's not like I'm driving right. necessarily. This is sort of like, we're all collectively invited to engage in this process as a community. Yeah. So the way that it goes will depend on, in like everyone's participation and engagement. Um, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to also have some like, in addition to the guidance we already have from like, you know, the seven principles, yeah. the six sources, some basic rules of engagement Yeah. <laughs> about like yeah. justice work that we do. One of which is like, so this is a, a basic tenet. Like I, so the community organizing and like justice work I do in Philly yeah. is with a group called resource generation. And one of their like tenets for how we operate is mm-hmm. like center and follow the leadership of people who are most yes. impacted. Yes. Like that kind of. Yes. Like, I agree with you. Rule would be right. nice to have. Yeah. So like if we're going to do an action around reproductive justice. Right. We don't do it as like. We don't a, make it up. No. We don't make it up. We're not yeah. saying like I have an idea. What if you CSW started this thing? Right. Right. Like what we do, the first thing you do is look at what people who are on the front lines of the fight and have been for a long time right. are asking for. Right. Like what kind of support they want, if they want to be in community and relationship or not. Right. Um, like whose leadership we're following right. is like an important first question to ask. Yeah. Um, because that stops us from being reactionary and. Right. Unhelpful. Or disconnected. <laughs> disconnected, right. unhelpful, yeah. um, and ineffective because, right. you know, you have to organize to be effective. You have right. to the community part community. is important in yeah. the community of organizing. Uh-huh. It really is important. <laughs> um, it's almost like it's the first step. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I wouldn't mind as part of our next steps, like, yeah. starting to have something formalized around, yeah. like, the rules of engagement yeah. for that. Yeah. And how we go about navigating consensus and urgency. Yeah. <laughs> like what kind of yeah, consensus yeah. seeking do we do before we right. take action? Right. Who's empowered to make decisions and how? Right. Yeah. When it comes to justice work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the, money. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Right. Because like the times when I've sort of gone out and just made a choice and like when we did the... Um, reproductive rights vigil in May and a couple times like I've written sort of public letters to the congregation about events that happen Mm -hmm. and I really felt like I was just like walking the plank because (laughs) it was like I have no idea and there's this weird balance between being the minister and then also like you're a minister accountable to a congregation Mm -hmm. Um, and so what's the balance between taking a stand and like really having no, because we hadn't had these conversations, right? Mm-hmm. So like I had no sense of like, is this what people are needing from me and hoping? Mm-hmm. Um, or is this like, you know, me me sort of acting as a lone wolf, which I never want to do. Right. Um, so 
I find it really helpful that we're like, we're finally just talking about this mm-hmm. and we're also not talking about it under duress, mm-hmm. right? Because exactly. this, this is coming from like, we want to have a better understanding of our collective together. Mm-hmm. This is not because in the past when we've tried to have conversations like this, it was in response to like one person really wants X action to happen, but then everyone else is trying to respond to this mm-hmm. one person insisting we all have to do whatever that thing is. Um, and that, then you're trying to build consensus within a conflict. And mm-hmm. it was just, the whole thing was really messy. Yeah. Um, so it does feel like we're sort of, we're on a journey and we don't know where we're going mm-hmm. exactly, but that is actually a really good thing. Yeah. I think. Well, and I think like, where we're going is to be less paralyzed yeah, by totally. not knowing how to do and, this. And that was like, that was what was most noteworthy to me on Sunday. The responses people gave was sort of like, now we can do something. Yeah. Right. That was sort of the mm-hmm. like boiled down summation of what mm-hmm. everyone said was yeah. now we can do something. Yeah. Um, so to be continued. Definitely. Yeah. We have 15, 15 minutes. minutes. And then I have to go plan owl, which is also totally oh a justice issue. Oh my god, fun! <laughs> Are you High doing... school owl starts on December fourth. It's gonna oh be goodness. it's it's technically we're calling it owl ish because we condensed. It's mm. an eight week session for the high schoolers who missed middle school owl um, to to catch them up. So we're we're intentionally condensing it down and doing all the stuff that we know they didn't get in health class. Mm-hmm. So fun, good stuff. Before you do that, do you want to talk briefly about Blue Holidays, which is the last sermon <laughs> yeah, for this month? which I sort of wrote in the 30 minutes before I drove here. Yeah, so as of this moment when we're recording, this isn't going to go out until yeah. after the sermon but is live. But Laurel like, has not finished. Laurel has not finished it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your like nascent swirling thoughts Ooh. around it? Well, so holidays can be really hard for people. True. Um, and so I try always sort of in this season to make space for that. Mm. Um, and there are a lot of UU congregations do sort of like a blue holidays or like a Vesper service that's to try and give space to, for the sort of sadness or quiet or, you know, grief or the things that there's not a lot of space for in all the holly jolly. Mm -hmm. Um, it does feel a little bit like a ricochet this week between the interfaith Thanksgiving service, which was like real fun mm-hmm. to like, now let's make space for our sad feelings. But that's totally appropriate. <laughs> but that also, right, right. That also is like, that is kind of what holidays feel like uh-huh. often for a lot of people is yeah. like, this is really fun and joyful. And then also like, there are things about it that are really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I sent you the draft. Do you want to ask questions? or <laughs> Sure. So, so I'll say that, um, I'm, I've been thinking, I read the book, um, by Jeanette McCurdy called, I'm glad my mom died. Um, and it's a really fascinating book. I will, again, because she talks in great deal detail about her own trauma, I am not going to regale anyone with any details Mm -hmm. of anything traumatic in the service. We don't do that. Um, and in reading her story, it was one of the things that was really fascinating was that was what happened after her mom died, where suddenly without this person there dictating the narrative, her entire understanding of herself changed. Mm. Um, And so in the service, I want to talk about like, there are people in our congregation who've died since last Thanksgiving, right? Mm -hmm. There are things that have changed. There are people who are gone. Um, There are people who, you know, 
there are relationship breaks. There are people who died years ago and, and that is a really hard thing to grapple with. There are, you know, people get married or have babies. There are all these things Mm -hmm. that start to change that change the family dynamic or change the sort of, um, culture of the community that you're in, that you spend your holidays with. And those things can be really, really hard, even if they're good things, right? Like even if it's like your sibling gets married, that can be kind of heartbreaking Mm -hmm. to figure out how to navigate. Um, And so I want to give space to that because that's a thing that doesn't get talked about when we're all trying to like, you know, look shiny in our cable knit sweaters eating Mm -hmm. turkey, right? Like like there's like the social media shiny thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that we need to be able to name the fullness and sort of let go of the non-human ideal of perfect. Yeah. But then I think under that, there's also the fact that when those changes happen, our own sense of ourselves can change and our own Mm -hmm. narrative about our own lives can change. Mm -hmm. And that can be liberating, but it can also be really hard or tender. It's very destabilizing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wanted to make space for that on Mm -hmm. this service that like we can, we can name that together. Like I'm not afraid of, of talking about how, you know, our, our narratives about our own lives change. Our narratives about our families change. Um, sometimes they're dictated by certain key stakeholders. And then when people die or when, you know, things change, people get divorced. Um, it can be, it can sort of rock the foundation of our own sense of ourselves in a way that can be generative and create possibility, but we don't get to the possibility without going through the pain. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to nestle down into that place on yeah. Sunday and like sing some gentle music, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So wear your wool socks. <laughs> and your camel knit sweaters. <laughs> I mean, for only your, if you want to. For your selfies. <laughs> Going to church. Snap. Sad, sad, sad church selfie. I, yeah. Hashtag. Great. It's the new social media sensation. <laughs> taking over what, what the flaming wreckage of Twitter. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to talk about <laughs> yeah. Twitter. Need we need we speak of the Twitter? No, we we need, we need and we in need fact, not. and in in fact, we mustn't. <laughs> yeah, I will say also because um, I think we'd be remiss without mentioning what happened in Colorado and the shooting at the yeah. um, at Club Q. Um, so part of on Sunday the 20th, which is when we did the reproductive rights service, there was also a trans day of remembrance service that was sort of collectively hosted by a few churches. Um, so that did also happen, but it's not represented in the, um, the feed for this week. Um, cause I wasn't the key person leading it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. There's, I don't think there's anything profound to say about how, you know, hateful rhetoric is significant because mm-hmm. it results in action. Um, and yeah, I don't have anything poetic to say about this. Me either. It's horrific. I'm just and really sad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's important that as religious people and for me as a clergy person, we be really clear because often religious narratives get co-opted for hatefulness mm-hmm. and like, I will say I as a clergy person and we as a tradition are very pro-queer and pro-trans and pro-whatever way your body and mm-hmm. your love get like sort of mixed up and, and humanized. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I don't know. I think it's, I think that's a simple thing and I wish it was true in the world. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely like the thing that I think is essential to like the fact, like when we talk about the you quote unquote stance or whatever, it's not like acceptance yeah it's like affirming of the holiness yes exactly right which is very different which is very different yeah um i gave a sermon about this a couple years ago but but because so often religious rhetoric is like you know it's the like hate the sin not the sinner yeah no i like i don't even want to state those words out loud right yes um a not sinful right like no, love who you want, be embodied the way you are, like all good. Um, but it also like we're not just tolerant of that. Yeah. Right, right. Like it is a it is a good and holy and sacred thing to be as you are. Yeah. Um so I don't know. And I and I think too, like religious liberals, I think it's helpful if we own our religiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's been so co-opted mm-hmm. that like, you know, when, when people think about religion and like put overlap religion with like queerness and you think about violence. Right. Right. Whereas like if you overlay our version of religion mm-hmm. and queerness and you get like a happy sparkly rainbow. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like there are other options. And I think that we do a disservice to ourselves and other people um, when we don't own the fact that there are religious spaces that are actively pro queer, yeah, um, and pro trans, and like the whole the whole array of humanity, yeah. Um, so we're here, yeah. Um, I don't have anything else to say. I'm sad. <laughs> I wish have it you happen. have you watched Heartstopper? No. Oh my god. I watched it twice in one weekend. Oh boy. <laughs> it's like I keep asking people Ugh. like, have you seen it? I love it so much. It's a really, really endearing, like coming of age queer love story. It just makes my heart explode. So cute. Yeah. I if you need some like really smushy, happy, sweet TV, it's very sweet. I think I need some like sardonic. <laughs> Like, I just need to watch, like, I don't know, Seinfeld. Great. Do it. You know? I don't. Like, choose what you need. Yeah. I need some, like, not too amped up emotionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Easy. Great. great British Bake Off. Yeah. Like, the easy listening station on my Netflix. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Um, This is good. Know thyself, right? Yeah. Like, there's also do yeah, what you got to do this week. I'm going back to Philly on Friday, and there's also a um, like a, a march on Saturday that I have to decide if I want to go to or not yeah. because I don't know if that's what I need or not. But it yeah. might be. Yeah. Um. So there's no right way, right? We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. On that note. On that note. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but again, like. <laughs> To tie it all together, this is why we take risks. Yeah. To make the right. world right. less shitty. Right. Or better. Right. <laughs> yeah. But like, 
to put our flag in the ground and say, yeah, totally. Right. Right. And I think, and I think this is where like, it is also in a world that thinks religion is so bad often. Like it is a risk too to say like, no, I'm a UU. And that means that I actually like do believe all these things and affirm the goodness of all of these people. Yeah. Um, and I think that the world needs more of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like we in this community know it's a good and beautiful thing. So like, why are we not sharing? Mm-hmm. Please share. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, <laughs> I think we're in the like pre Thanksgiving, like we're tired. I'm also, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't have time to get into this, um, but we didn't talk this year about like the violent history of Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. And I know. holding that yes. tension and complexity yes. that hasn't yes. come up. Yes. Um, I know Thanksgiving service. This is or the our... like, which, which complicated thing do you want to talk yeah. about with the holidays? Right. And that's where it like you, you simply cannot do all the things. Right. Right. But, but we're, yes. we're holding that. Right. Too. Yeah. We we're Thanksgiving is a particularly fraught holiday for a lot of people in a lot of ways. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm sort of looking at it from a specifically familial standpoint this year, but that's not the only layer. Right. Just don't want to like, just keep loading on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's room for all of that complexity, but maybe not in the same podcast. Right. 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 Yes. Um, so yeah, we can go gently through our meaning making. Let's go take care of ourselves and each other and do the thing. Yeah. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye.